0: Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire podcast and the Mindset Matters edition, where I'm joined by my wife and Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. Together, Stephanie and I engage in a conversation about different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters. We believe that we're living in and through one of the most impactful global events in history. And let's face it, few have trained for or are equipped to deal with the life that is unfolding before them. The need to pivot in your business, your career, or perhaps deal with shifting family dynamics lies before many. We hope to inspire you to ask yourself questions or pause to consider how you view your world, your life. We'll invite you to check in on where you are on your journey. And are you still clear on your intended destination or has it changed? Join us for this In our series of Mindset Matters, listen in, enjoy. Hey folks, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast. As I am every week, I'm joined by the lovely, beautiful, talented, uber smart, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. Stephanie, hello. Hey, hon. Hey, so let's uh, first off uh, acknowledge, you know, we often ask for people's feedback and when we get it, we always appreciate it. So for those of you who have sent us a couple comments and a little bit of suggestions as well as just some appreciation, uh, thank you for that. It's always encouraging. Sometimes we speak into the abyss and we don't know how it all lands for people. So always appreciate that feedback. So topic, here we go. We're talking about an Olympic... Metal mindset. That's kind of what the title of this is. And what does that mean? I mean, we're just coming off the Olympics. You, uh, had a number of athletes there, 22 athletes,
1: 22 in 2022.
0: 22 in 2022. Isn't that cool? Okay. So let's give people some background. You are an Olympic coach. You're a mental performance coach, I think is how you mostly categorize yourself. That's an interesting journey. And uh, if you want to get on that one, that's a whole different podcast. We did that. I don't know what episode that was, but you can actually listen to Stephanie and I in a conversation about what Stephanie does. But Stephanie, let's just for context before we get into this, because I think this is going to be a very powerful conversation about a mindset and what a little bit of what goes on behind the scenes, uh, as athletes and coaches work at an Olympic level. I mean, aside from the journey to get there, then you got there, but before we get there, let's just talk about, give people a kind of cold notes. What do you do?
1: Oh, it uh, depends on what day, <laughs> what don't I do? Um, right now, um, I'm coming off uh, uh, the the 22 games off the China uh, time zone whereby we were working daily to keep balanced and keep organized and help the athletes stay grounded um, as they enter the realm of competition at the highest level. So what I do is I prepare athletes mentally and mostly emotionally Mm -hmm. to prepare themselves. I don't do it for them. Um, I work in conjunction and in partnership with their technical coaches, their physical trainers, um, their choreographers, uh, their ballroom dance coaches, their theater coaches, etc. So my role as a performance coach is to link that all together and to make sure that there's nothing in their way, a distraction, um, things that could really, that they could be operating on top of or stepping over that could get in their way of doing their best.
0: So here's a couple of things. So first off, you are, have been on this journey for some time, although you've worked with different athletes, you are, have been for a number of years working with dance teams, specifically figure skaters, pairs, right? Ice dance. Ice dance. Yeah. It's to say it correctly. Mm-hmm. Ice dance. I know that. <laughs> ha. Anyways. So uh, you've been doing that. Now, when we get to this level of competition, you know, I think what People, you know, what you just said, for example, you know, you talked about choreographer, technical coach, which, you know, is really right up there with things to do, but choreographer working with a technical coach to make sure that they're actually performing in a powerful way in around all the technicalities and the technical things that they've got to do and make it look easy, make it look artistic, make it look brilliant and interesting, all of those things. Then you've got nutrition in there, you've got training in terms of physical training, you're really uh, a big part of what they do in terms of their mental, emotional state and how they navigate not only a competition, for example, but how do they train? How do they navigate life while they're training all of those things that because these young athletes, I say young, I mean, it's relative term. I mean, some of them are, what, 30?
1: I think the oldest is 32 right now. Yeah. And I think our youngest that went to Olympics was 20 or 21.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, they have life going on. And yet they've got to train and they got to compete. So let's talk a little bit first about, you know, I think we've talked over the, you know, years or months, you know, often about the mindset of an athlete in terms of, you know, you go for the gold. Let's just say that's the, the term. We're going for the gold, but that's an outcome. You better like the journey. You better be embracing the journey because and a gold is not inevitable. It's not going to necessarily happen. You can go to the Olympics two, three times and never get a gold, never even podium, as a matter of fact. So you better be liking the journey. Is that a fair statement?
1: Uh, yeah, it's more than fair. And I think in our world and with the Ice Academy of Montreal is that it's about creating an environment where the day-to-day is nurturing. The day-to-day is inspiring. It's fun. It's challenging. They're stretched beyond their... Um, what they believe is to be their capacity, they feel safe in, in, in the organization of, um, of how the school is run with Patrice Lausanne and Anne-Marie France-Dubray, uh, you know, and Roman Egenauer. They, they lead the on-ice technical side of it. And then we have the admin side um, with Mel and Jamal and, you know, our, our advisor, Charlie McKee. I mean, this is a business. And I think what we've done different than any other school in sport, whether it's an academy or it's figure skating or it's any other school or um, training environment, is really set a powerful context about support. So we are working with ice dance teams. They are a couple, a male and a female. So we're dealing with the dynamic of that. And then we're dealing with the coaches. And then we've got the coaches that are supported by the choreographers, the uh, ballroom dancers, the theater coaches. Um, We've got, you know, Sam Schwinard, who's the hip hop guru of the world. Sam is such a cool cat. Right. (laughs) So we've got all these people. And then we've got the admin support. And then we've got the, the parents. And then we've got, so we've got the team within the team, within the team.
0: Slayers. Within the team. Yeah, and and
1: I think it was because it's acknowledged and because that everyone knows their role and stays in their swim lane, I think the skaters feel supported in a way that um, is like it's, it's unlike anywhere else in the world.
0: So folks, you know, as we talk here about athletes, you know, this, our goal with this podcast, you know, we're blessed to have an interesting background in terms of uh, Stephanie's work with athletes, which, you know, I guess by, I don't know. De facto. De facto. I get to hang out and and have for many years and gotten to know these athletes and also have had the opportunity to work with them in what I bring to a table on any given day. The point of it is this, is that this actually is not about the mindset of an athlete is really just about mindset. You can take what we're talking about here today and apply it to your businesses, your careers, your life is what we always intend to do. And so as we're talking about this, you know, I want you to be listening from a perspective of, well, where would this apply to me? How does this apply to me? So this is kind of why we're explaining a little bit of the background. But, you know, part of it is also is in the story of, you know, what you see as the product, you know, what I'll call the product, the outcome, for example, of a performance in the case of ice dance, but any athletic performance at at an Olympic level. I think sometimes people in general don't really even think about what it took to get there, or they have some sense of it, but they really don't. So when we talk about mindset, it is really about how do you set yourself up and what, how do you approach it? How do the coaches approach it? How does the athlete approach it? The parents. This are the layers that you just referred to. The administration. It takes so much to have that athlete, you know, go out and perform, uh, and in and lose in in you know, thousands of a second or hundreds of a point or whatever the scenario is. So when we look at this, you know, what we look and consider is when you look at your career, when you look at your business, when you look at what you're doing, how are you setting yourself up for success? So back to you, Stephanie, when we look at what you just talked about, one of the things that you mentioned was environment. Now we're eventually going to get to the whole conversation about what happened in China and not that something happened, but what was going on in China. So, but let's talk about environment. You know, we consider environment, we consider community, we we consider culture, all of which goes into the overarching view of what your school and your your partner schools, I am.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I think what happens as a result of that is that there's a consistency. So wherever we go, there we are. So whether I'm at the side of the boards, whether I'm on a zoom call or whether we have a, you know, a, a parallel experience where the skaters are feeling supported and whatever, whatever scenario that they need to be supported in, it's consistent. And I think consistency builds trust. And when you're consistent on the ice, off the ice they're surrounding themselves also and we're we're also coaching and teaching them to find the right resources so you're not going to pick a a personal trainer for example or a nutritionist that doesn't have the same mindset or the same mentality of excellence and when we talk about excellence we're talking about you know we're all we're all shooting for perfection you know, this is about world-class. This is about being the best in the world at what you do. And if we shoot for perfection, we're pretty sure we're at least going to land on excellence. Mm-hmm. And if we can create that environment whereby every person that the skaters choose – to put on their team, or to engage in their circle of support, then they can be consistently supported. So there's no mixed messaging, there's no inconsistencies in what they're getting and how they're being supported. So when they show up on the world stage or at the Olympic Games, they know that there's been a straight line to excellence. So everybody on that path has the same mentality. And all they want, all we want as coaches is for them to win. Not anyone on the team, I don't think this year, especially any coach or any support person on any of the teams with these athletes this year has a personal agenda. And it's been so powerful.
0: Yeah, it's park your ego. And I want to say something here that, you know, just for context, we don't have to spend any time on it, but just for context around all of this is that this is still amateur sport and so there's you know this is funding there's nobody making millions of dollars here there's none of that they're scraping they're scrimping they're doing everything they can to you know afford a good quality food for their bodies you know they're they're and the coaches are also sacrificing compromising you know volunteering their time for the love of the sport and for the just for the love of what they do so you know that's I think we need to just make sure that that background is painted clearly I mean yes when they get to that place where they're on a podium and yeah. There's
1: prize money for sure. Not at the Olympic Games, but there's prize money. There's sponsorship. The feder- Some of the federations are really, really great in supporting and yep. how they find uh, sponsorship or they find um, support financially with for and for some of the skaters, not every federation can do that. Um, we have some of the federations that don't have any sponsorship mm-hmm. that they are the parent funded, for example, or they work. Yeah. I have a couple of teams that are working full time. Some are going to school. They're going to university. They're taking courses, they're building their life and they're starting the plan to build their life after sport, but they're doing it now. And that's the other thing is that we're building the dimensional human being as we're using the vehicle of sport to get them what they want in their life. No, Nobody that's going to leave our school is going to leave without some other skills collateral skills that are really going to help them in their life
0: well this is developmental right because they're going through they're learning they're growing they're some of them have grown up with you and well i say you but i'm that's because we're here with you right now but uh, the the point is they've grown up with you and they've matured and they've become young adults and adults and and they're doing what they're doing now they're doing what they're doing as athletes but they're also living life is what i really want to get to and the other thing i wanted to point out is it's not lifestyles of the rich and famous that's these are not professional athletes make multi-millions of dollars with big contracts. It's just not what's happening. So let's talk about what, you know, we've, we've spent some time in the past talking about just that attitude of you better love the journey. You know, it isn't enough to, uh, you know, hope that you're going to get an Olympic medal. You may not, or you're going to win a world championship. The pressure's on to do that, but you better be enjoying and loving life prior to that in the journey, the path that you follow, so to speak. Now let's talk about what Go to China. Now, this was an interesting one for you because it was quite a mess in the background, you know, because of COVID, because of lockdowns and restrictions and who can fly, who can't, vaccine, non-vaccine. There's a lot of things that were happening. Uh, it was China, nobody knew what was really happening. They're not necessarily disclosing in a timely fashion. Nobody knew what to expect. So there was a lot of uncertainty really was what I'm trying to say there. So in your case, you had to make a decision and your decision was how do I serve always working backwards from how do I serve the skaters? How do I serve our clients the best? Now you made a decision not to go to China, which was a very difficult decision.
1: And it was the last minute decision.
0: And it was very last minute. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was like, we got to wait, got to wait. And ultimately that turned out to be the right decision. Now, it turned out to be the right decision for the skaters, I think. I know that you were really torn. You wanted to be there. Having said that, wanting to be there, as it turns out, would have been, I don't know if I'm saying this right, it would have been more about you than the skaters because of the environment that they were in. So tell us about what was going on. Talk about the environment at the Olympics in China and why the, Why you not going, although you were. On China time while you were at home, it was pretty chaotic, chaotic around here. But anyways, so talk about that environment in China.
1: Well, I think it goes back to, you know, knowing and and committing. We're committing three years, three and a half years in advance. So everybody's preparing. And then, of course, COVID hits. We go into full-on lockdown. We go into training online. Every one of the coaches and the and the support people open up their, their zoom accounts and everybody's training with the intention, because, you know, regardless of what's happening, the goal doesn't change. And and when you can get, and for me, that's my line is the goal hasn't changed. We're still planning to go to the Olympic games. So what do we need to do? Who do you need to become? What do you have to talk about? What do you have to prepare? How do you need to get your costumes ready? How do you like, what do you need to do? So the, the, the conversation didn't change because the goals didn't change. Yes, the environment was really awkward and bumpy and it got super sticky at times. But as we got closer to the games and about a year about a half a year out we were starting to talk about accreditations and and I was in Las Vegas in November, October, November, and we started talking about accreditations and um, with the U S federation, each one of the coaches, all of us end up getting accredited by a different country.
0: Okay. Hold on, hold on. Let's stop here for a second. Because one thing we stepped over was the fact we talked about you going with 22 athletes, which was really 11 teams. These are ice dancers. You Mm -hmm. were 11 teams, eight countries. Yep. Is that correct? Correct. And that included the U.S. That included... Yeah, the three
1: teams from the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. We had two from Canada, Great Britain, Spain, Armenia, Japan, China. So we had a, a, a full contingent of of, of multi countries going to the Olympic Games. So each one of the coaches, there was six of us, seven of us going at the time. Two of us ended up not going. So five coaches and twenty-two athletes from the ICE Academy of Montreal, which is the biggest contingent, I think, from one school ever in the history of anything.
0: But you call it a school. Would it, I don't know. That doesn't sound right. Does it is it more I know, is it not more of a training
1: It's a training center academy, a training, training academy? center. But it's yeah. not, you know, it's not acknowledged or it's not like a a national training center, you know, mm-hmm. for like Skate Canada or the, or the U.S. figure skating. We're not, you know, a, a associated with the federations in that regard. It's an independent, you know, it's an independent business. Mm-hmm. Ice Academy Montreal is a business. I'm a partner in the business. We've got, you know, we've got a, a system, we've got processes in place. It's a business. And that's, what's really different about this. And in figure skating, most coaches don't, really hold themselves as a business. So that's what we did. So as we're preparing and the U.S. is providing all the information, we end up at one point get a 72-page document about what has to happen and how you have to prepare when the testing and the dates of this and this vaccine and that vaccine and December date first, this, that. And it just got to the point where it was so big. So complicated, and then I was doing that with Great Britain, and then I had to be on the Skate Canada calls, and then I was on the calls with Spain. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be able to physically be with the skaters I need to be with in a in a in a normal competition. I'm able to be there. I'm sitting in the in the warm up area with them. I'm meeting with them. I'm eating meals with them. I'm there. We're meeting in a in a common room to have our 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 one on ones. This was not going to be that. And when that hit me, it was like a ton of bricks. It was like, so I'm going to go through, jump all these, through all these hoops, do all this testing, do all this, this, you know, follow all these protocols. And there's a chance, a really, really big chance that I'm not going to be able to do my job, which means I'm not going to be able to serve the athletes. It's not like a technical coach. I, They're, they're all there. They're by the boards. They can fix the little mistakes that are going on. My job when I get to an event is all about what's going on in the environment. How are we managing energy? Are we being grounded? What's going on? Uh, what are the distractions? What are the what are the gossips? What end with? Can you imagine with COVID, with everything that was going on, everything and everybody was freaked out and mask and double mask and triple mask and don't don't come near me because I don't want to have to. T- if they tested positive, they would be pulled out of the competition. So in order for me to be able to manage that, what it came down to at the very last minute, I was actually at the airport and I'm actually going, I, I can't go. I need to be a space that's consistent. So I came home and we talked about it and uh, I said, okay, well, I'm going to go on to China time. Uh, We talked about me getting a hotel and going on to China time and fully being present on that particular time zone, because we had with 11 teams with 10 of them, I work with ongoing one of them, not so much, but I mean, I'm still there supporting the coaches, et cetera. And I came home and I realized that we realized that I needed to get supported. So it was really great because I also have a team, right? So I have Jadeen and, and Char and you and the dogs and, you know, people that, you know, they cook, you know, the girls cook for me. You know, yeah. they made these amazing meals. So when I was up in the middle of the night coaching the skaters or being available on Zoom, and and you guys were all sleeping, I was able to get up and have some food. So it was actually like, it was almost like we planned it.
0: So that was, it's a 14-hour, 13, 14-hour, 14, hour, 14 16 15, 16-hour difference. Yeah. Okay. So... So when we look at what you're dealing with and what the kids are dealing with, so they land in China, this is, you know, some of them had been to an Olympic event before all of them are well, I guess they're, they're veteran competitors. You know, they, they understand the competition environment. They understand. So here's the fundamental that I get to all the time, which is they land in this really, what should be a very festive celebratory kind of world. And it's really kind of anything but that, I mean, it's like, people in hazmat suits and spraying you down and checking you out and getting tested it it is very much do not get covid or test positive for covid because you could be shut down and that Absolutely. would be the and end and you would be
1: sent to one of those camps
0: yeah so it yeah. was there's so there's an underlying fear around it there's protocols that people are not familiar with and then it's not a traditional environment. You don't have thousands of people in the stands. You, there was
1: nobody in the stands, barely.
0: Yeah, I think they, they had, there was, I I noticed this, some events, I happened to see a uh, thing on some events where if you paid the right price and you knew the right people and you're in the right part of wherever you got to go. Main you know. Mainland
1: China, yeah. And you had to get tested every day. And Yes, that's right. So there was, the, it, it was a very unique and different scenario. And I think what was great about for our athletes is that they were so committed and so excited and so focused on why they were there. And I believe, you know, the coaches prepared them so well. And I hope that I prepared them so well so that when they got there, all of that really didn't matter. Were they, was there some fear? Absolutely. Did they have to take certain precautions? Absolutely. And each team, it's so interesting. Each team had a very different approach and a different way of handling the situation and how they were going to were they going to wear masks on the warm-up were they not going to wear masks were they going to wear you know keep their distance were they going to eat in public did they just bring their own food and eat in their room for example the U.S. and Canada coaches weren't staying in the village so ultimately I wouldn't have been in the village I would have been in a hotel and having to find a shuttle in order to do my work to get to the athletes. So it just created these levels of of disconnect and levels of complication that by me just staying home and sitting in the office and going on China time, which is, again, like you say, 16 hours different. So tomorrow is where, where I was living in, in Tomorrowland gave us the opportunity to actually fully do the work. So when the skaters either booked a time with me or they sent a note and said, can we meet at this time? So I would get up at, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon. I'd start work from five till seven. And then I would nap from eight till 10. And then I'd get up from 10.30 and I'd work till two in the morning. Then I'd nap for a bit and then I'd get up with Enzo, take him out to pee. (laughs) That's our new puppy. And then I would sleep during the day. And I thought I could do it in a way that, you know, would, you know, make it easy for us to actually still have some sort of normalcy. But I ended up working on two time zones. So I was on Canada time zone, Pacific time zone, and also on China time zone. So at the end of the games, when we were done on Monday, the 14th, which was the day of the free dance, it was very, very um, exciting. Uh, Gabby and Guillaume from France ended up winning with a world record. Uh, Maddie and Zach ended up being third. Maddie and Evan were fourth. We ended up then having teams in the, in then was uh, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 19.
0: You had 11 teams for eight different countries. Did all of those teams end up where they wanted to or expected to or better? Or was there any kind of like letdowns in terms of no, I expected to be top 10, I was number 12? You know any of that? Where, yeah, where was that? yeah,
1: a little bit of that. I mean, but everybody skated their best, which was amazing. Um, the interesting thing of the team event, so we ended up with um, us placing second, and our Japanese team ended up with the bronze medal. And unfortunately, because there was a doping issue with a young skater from Russia, there's no team medals that were presented. So the team that you know, Maddie, Zach, Maddie, and Evan that we then, they earned a silver medal in the team event, aren't actually going to get their medal, which was really disappointing. Same Mm. thing with Tim and Masato from Japan. They were third, honestly, heartbreaking. Um, Not sure politically what's going to happen down the road. There's a lot going on there. Um, and then the event started about five days later, the individual event. Um, the rhythm dance it's called was the first round. We only had one team. Sadly, Tim and Masato didn't qualify for the free dance. So we had 10 out of 11 teams, which is still pretty amazing. And Tim and Masato were, they're amazing. They they got their, they will get their bronze medal with the team event. Um, and then they'll go for another run with the, um, the next uh, four years, the next quadrennial. But everybody else, I believe achieved their goal. I think the hardest part for me, um, I mean, our intention was to have the whole podium, bronze, silver, gold. That was the intention. I think in a in a perfect world that would have happened. Maddie and Evan ended up fourth um, with a absolutely beautiful free dance. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't end up on the podium. I don't know enough I wasn't there because it's, it's Olympic. the Olympics and it's figure skating. It's figure There's skating. still that magical piece of figure skating that you can't control called the judges.
0: Okay. So let's get off this part of the topic for a little bit. I want to go back to, so we've painted a scenario for our listeners. Now I want to get back to, you know, when you're dealing with athletes, you know, you've got a team like, uh, uh, Gabby and Guillaume who have, I mean, they're they've been to an Olympics before. They've got a, they're mature. They're you know they've they've competed at the highest level, and so they are destined for gold if they do what they. Correct. are best at doing. And they did. And they actually had their own personal best and they, world record. World, they broke, And yeah. they set a world record, yeah. right? So they they did exactly that. So they executed kind of perfectly on the right day at the right time. They did all the, the things that they did. Now, so you, I want to go back here. So we talk about this all the time. Community, culture, environment. Okay. So the school itself is like a community. And then you have the community of skaters overall. It is a culture of support. Now, you folks, what you need to understand in this to, to give you some context is you've got eight, in this case, eight different countries, eleven different teams that actually compete against each other, but they train together. Now, that was what was fascinating about this model uh, of I am uh, the Ice Academy of Montreal, the school that the Stephanie and, and her partners built, was built on the fact that these fundamental concept is that if you're the best in the in in your country so if you're the best in Canada or you're the best in France uh, in your training okay so who's who's the benchmark how do you measure yourself right so that concept was what if we had everybody hanging out together competing and but training together so you would literally be training and getting probably get to know and be friends with skaters in the of other countries and then everybody picks up their bar because they're actually seeing the level that they have to really perform at is that fair advice that's true it's I funny you know that?
1: absolutely and there's a an on a, on the olympic channel olympic dot, olympics.com i think it is it's called on the edge they did a 12 session or a 12 show series of the school and sort of the journey up to the olympics if if you want to check it out it's called on the edge olympics.com uh on the olympic channel and and it and it tells the story of how unique this is. So when you think about training with your competitors, there's that fire that happens. There's that, there's always that angst. Like we are creating, we want to create that, that, you know, that rub, that, that, that charge of excitement, but also that love because there's nobody else in the world that understands what they're going through other than their other competitors. And that's the key is that nobody else gets it. So, When you think about that and you have that level of understanding and and respect of being the best in the the world and being the best you can be, and so does everybody else have that same goal. They all want to be their very, very best, and they all want to do it in a way that's healthy and holistic and safe, and they don't want to have to be treated, you know, with... with negativity or feel abused or feel like they, they they have to lose weight or gain weight or whatever. This is an environment where everybody gets to be who they are and they push each other. Well, and this
0: goes back to, you know, sorry to interrupt because say. it reminded me of something, which was if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Find a new room. You know, find a different room and and surround yourself with people smarter than you are and surround yourself in the case of this, you're surrounding yourself with people that are as good or better than you and they're, you're watching them evolve every day adapt train you're going through the highs and lows you might even be really privy to what they're going on through what they're going through mentally emotionally uh, you know as i said life is happening so it could be deaths in a family it could be the breakup of a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend i mean it could be any number of things and you're actually in that space so as and the opposite is true you know you're, you're out there. I mean, people are watching how you train. They're watching your attitude. They're seeing your high days, your low days, but ultimately the benchmark is being set. So there's, there's a real message in all of that, which is the model is really brilliant, but more importantly, in that model of that environment that gets created is a culture. In other words, the coaches think that way. The athletes think that way, but the culture is ultimately of respect, of, uh, you know, really understanding what somebody else is doing and respecting that fact.
1: It's very true. And I think the other thing is when, you know, not everybody's going to fit in the environment. You know, we actually have skaters and athletes that approach Patrice on a, on a regular basis or Marie or whatever. And they say, we want to come and train in Montreal or a federation or a country comes and they'll say, you know, we'll have to interview you. You know, it may not be a fit for you or us because if it changes the dynamic of the environment, it doesn't serve anyone.
0: You know, we talk about this all the time, values-based conversations. You know, what are your values? And that's to say that even a federation, a country, a team can come in that don't share common values. Doesn't mean their values are wrong. And I am is right. It doesn't mean any of that, by the way. It just means those values don't align with these values. Therefore, don't come in here. It won't work for you and it won't
1: work for us. It's not a fit. And the saddest part is when somebody, you know, you want to work with somebody or we want to have somebody included or, you know, a a team from a country that comes in and and all of a sudden you could feel the shift in the dynamic of the other skaters. And it's not that it's wrong. It's not that it's bad it's just not aligned. And I think what Patch and Marie have done really, really well is been very committed to not changing their values, not, not minimizing what they know works. Um, there's no ego involved. And it's really sad when you have to say no to a team or, or a skater that you really care about and then go, "It just, it's not a fit right now. Right now, it's not a fit.
0: Okay, so let's go back to the Olympics. The kids land, they're in this weird environment, and they have to compete in it. You're there. What kind of stuff are you helping them work through?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is to stay grounded and to be understanding. It's funny, it's like they they say, you know, you have to expect the unexpected. I don't say that. I go you accept the unexpected. You accept it and you fold it in. So whatever's going on and what we've trained them to do or what I've trained them to do is to be present to what is. And not judge it, and just fold it in, or let it go through you. Let it, let it. ups be the observer. So the theme for the first couple of days was be the observer. So everybody was observing, not judging, noticing certain things, understanding that this is not for the for the athletes that had been at two or three. In an Evan Bates' case, this is his fourth fourth Olympics. They actually were at a bit of a disadvantage to the ones that this was their first Olympics because they had nothing to compare to. So we just took every skater and every athlete, every team, every coach as an individual and say, okay, you're going to have your own experience. You're going to want to filter it through what you know or what you think you know, and you're going to have some highs and lows. So let's identify what that is right here, right now, and fold it in. Let's accept the unexpected.
0: And something, I love that. It's brilliant you know something else that i know that you do is you work people through their lows but you also work them through their highs and you know people always go are always going they're always shooting for that high that emotional high that feeling that wanting to be you know on top but ultimately you have your own philosophy around that when it comes to athletes and how they need to handle those highs and those lows because they're living in an environment too where you know people love them, you know, they've all got big Instagram followers, they're all on display, they're but not a bad thing, it's a and
1: but- there's a lot of haters.
0: And there's a lot of haters. Yeah, yeah, of course, there always is, isn't there? Social media. Yeah. Ooh, Anyways, the point is this, is that you also work them through their highs and their lows before a competition even. Because in that environment, you're, you're going to have those. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be, okay, so you've got this high going on. You haven't even competed yet. So let's just take and put that and put a check and a balance into that. Is that, is that a yeah, fair? That's
1: a good way to put it. The goal when we enter the competition or enter the arena of, a, of competition is to find neutral the the aim is to to go for neutral whether it's no high no low it's just observing and being neutral and being aware that there's going to be a high and a low but as you enter the arena of competition the goal is neutral and what and that's a that's a journey unto itself because that's not why they skate or compete right they want the high they want the medal they want the fame they want that acknowledgment and that encouragement and the fans and the clapping and the standing ovations and when in the last year and a half or two years in competitions, there's been no fans. There's right. nobody in the stands. There's like little cardboard cutouts. Cardboard cutouts, though. you know, it's ridiculous. They're and awesome. Th- they're super cute, but they don't they don't <laughs> clap very loud. You know, there's me woo-hoo, yelling and screaming, but I'm not that. You know.
0: Yeah, you don't matter. <laughs> I don't
1: matter. So the best part is is that teaching that side of it is a really about self assessment. It's about understanding the high. And still allowing yourself to go for it, but knowing that if you do achieve that and you have the high and you really want to ride it as long as possible, that there's going to be
0: a low. So, you know, as we kind of walk through this or go through this whole process of this, is that understanding that this goes back to conversations we've had before about, you know, stoicism and being stoic. I mean, to me, a lot of stuff goes back to that, which is what can you control? can't control what China was going to be. All you can control is your reaction to it. So in other words, have those emotions in check. But even having said that, they know that intellectually, but of course, emotions have a way of sneaking up on us. And so you're talking them through their highs, their lows, their anxieties, their observations, because they're the they, I don't care who you are, you're going to have a judgment of certain circumstances, but... And you may not react to it, but you have to talk it through sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where where the real, that's sort of my swim lane and that kind of how I navigate that is, is to really invite the conversation about expectations and assumptions. And we have expectations and assumptions that are going to be met or unmet and frustration lives in unmet expectations. So if we can flatten out the expectations and just say, well, what if we don't have any expectations? What if there's just a place of neutral where you can experience what's really happening in the moment and let that fill you up? Let that support you so that you could ride that wave. So what we don't do is we don't set up expectations. Even there's points, there's places where I don't even ask them what their goals are. I mean, I knew, for example, Gabby Guillaume, Maddie Zach, Maddie Evan all wanted to win. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was coaching them to do. So let's remove all the blocks let's make sure you're doing everything you can physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, on every level so that you can win. What do you need to do so that what happens on the day happens on the day? Well, then, of course, then you've got a China situation where now you're being tested, now you have to do this and a whole other layer of of scheduling and timing and five coaches and all those different things. So what happens is they get to lay back or rely on the last three to four or five years of work that we've done is that we brought that forward. Nothing really changed. And I kept saying, you know what, regardless of what happens, the goal hasn't changed. The goal hasn't changed.
0: The goal hasn't changed. You're just, all you're going to do is take and adapt with all these things that you've learned and you're going to pull out all the tools, all stops And part of the tools that you have are access to your coaches, whether that be your choreographer, your technical coach, your mental performance coach, in your case, you use all those tools. So that's part of their training as well as understanding how to use those tools. So, you know, I think as we wind this down, uh, is there any kind of takeaways for you that you kind of would share with somebody that isn't a skater as an athlete. I mean, I try and always bring it back to what, what does this mean to me in, in in life? So what would you, what sage advice would you give? Mm -hmm. You got any,
1: I don't know if it's sage advice, but I guess what I had to process deciding not to get on that plane, to go to Beijing and to be able to put the skaters first, put the coaches ahead of me, you know, not to get the outfit, you know, I didn't, I don't get an outfit. But maybe I'll get a piece of an outfit from every country I work with. I don't know. But I didn't get an outfit. I didn't get to, you know, get the accreditation this year. You know, I I made the choice. And this is what I try to, to keep going with for me and my values is that how do I make the highest, best choice? And, you know, it was really hard. I remember telling you that, you know, I'm not going. I'm not getting on the plane. And then I had to tell the skaters.
0: Mm-hmm
1: and then, but i knew it was the highest best choice so i think about coaching athletes to be their best and to make the highest best choices best choices for their bodies you know for their spirit for their soul for their partner and i had to be that you know i had to i had to be what i coach
0: so the highest best choice yeah is not always the easiest choice and that ladies and gentlemen, is really where mindset comes into play. Stephanie Hanlon, congratulations on your Olympic journey, although it didn't look the way you wanted it to look or hoped it would look. None of it seems fair, And uh, if there is such a thing. But we do know this, that your athletes love you, your team loves you, and you hit it out of the park. And we had some good laughs along the way. We, we ate really well, although it was upside down and all the rest of it. We
1: did. And I just want to thank you. I want to thank Jadine and Shar and Echo and Enzo and Nicole and everybody who supported us, Vanessa in Edmonton and, you know, the team in Montreal that also didn't go.
0: It takes a lot to make these things happen. It, it really, it really does. does. You know, and, yeah. and, and it's because it's awesome, fun journey it's intriguing. It's interesting. It's challenging. It's, uh, you know, some days it really pisses you off, but ultimately, you know, this many years, almost 25 years into doing this body of work, you know, we keep doing it. You keep doing it because it serves you and it is always about what we talk about often, right? Where does fulfillment live ultimately in contribution In uh, being supportive of others. So, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your journey. Folks, there's a little bit of a picture in behind the scenes. I think tried to do that, give you some insights into what goes on in behind the scenes to have an Olympic mindset. So an Olympic medal mindset. So uh thanks for listening. Always, you know, share this, uh give some feedback, always appreciated. CEO at reincanada.com CEO at raincanada.com, and uh we'll be back next week. Thanks. That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at r-e-i-n canada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick O.